Welcome to the Faith Lakeside Podcast. Each week you'll hear another great message that will help you know God and make Him known in your life. Join us each Sunday at 1045 a.m. and throughout the week in small groups to make the most of your learning experiences. Now, sit back, relax with a great cup of coffee and a notebook and enjoy this week's message. If you've got your Bibles, you know we've been studying through the Old Testament and focusing on the glory and redemption, this story of God's glorious self and His redemption for mankind that is revealed in the Old Testament. And we've gotten all the way up to Solomon in the Old Testament, second, first and second Kings. And next week, we're really going to dive back into this historical timeline. But I wanted to take a break in a way, because I wanted to jump to the end. I'm going to spoil the end of everything for you once again. I'm going to tell you where this story of glory and redemption ultimately gets us. And anybody have a guess where this story ultimately gets us? It gets us to Jesus. It gets us to Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, the one who came to redeem his people, the one who is the perfect priest, the one who is the perfect prophet, the one who is the perfect king. And so we know, as we've looked through this, and I've already spoiled it before today, so you, you really should have known, that the whole Old Testament serves to point us from a God who lovingly created us through the fall to a God who had a plan of redemption that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the Son of David, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace. I mean, we, we know all the names. And we, if you're here, it's likely because you at least appreciate Jesus, but many of you know him personally as your Lord and Savior. And our goal as believers is not just for us ourselves to know the story of glory and redemption, but to be sharing this story of glory and redemption with everyone that we know and love and meet, that they too might come to know the glory of God and be redeemed through Jesus Christ. And so I I wanted to take kind of a, a pause because there's a couple of things going on in our culture today that I wanted to address to equip you to be able to share Jesus as he is not Jesus that we want him to be. So a couple of things are going on in our culture nowadays. How many of you guys have watched or, or known somebody even who's watched The Chosen? Any, you can, yeah, how many of you guys have enjoyed it? Uh, that's okay too, right? Some of you have enjoyed it. How many of you guys, anybody hated it? Uh, that's okay. I mean, I just, you, there are shows. It's a show, right? Some of us, and some of us maybe are, are we're, we're part of groups and we, we look at the chosen and say, well, it's, how can you pre- have somebody pretending to be Jesus? That just doesn't seem right. Well, I hear you on that, but lots of folks are being introduced to Jesus through the chosen. And we know the creators of it, their intent is to bring people to Jesus as the Christ, the son of the living God, the redeemer who fulfills the glory and redemptive story of the Old Testament. And so The Chosen's one thing that's going on. Season three is coming out here soon. Uh, some of you might even be planning to go to the theater to watch the first couple of episodes. Good for you. Enjoy it. Go into every experience like this, though, with eyes wide open, hearts informed by Scripture. And when you see the truth amplified, rejoice. And when you see something questionable, go back to the Word of God and decide whether it's true. But there's also another thing that's coming up on the radar, and it's, this, uh, there's, it's a campaign called He Gets Us. And if you've watched any sports here in the last few months, you may have already seen some of these ads. 
And uh, I, I'm not going to show any of the ads because uh, they're, they're cool-ish. They're really well-produced. They're well-made. They, they target folks really well. They're great ads. And it's this campaign where there are going to be ads for the, you know, during the Super Bowl. If you're watching the World Series, there's a good chance you've seen the ads. And it, it's usually this black and white ad shows really cool hipster people, people that I could never be because I'm just not cool enough. And they are telling a story about how Jesus is like us. And because Jesus is like us, he gets us. And the, the thing is, is these, these, um, these videos and, and the website that they point folks to, they have a good intent introducing people to Jesus. But they kind of miss the mark in some ways. Because here's the problem. When we talk about Jesus... A lot of times people have very different pictures of who he is in their mind. Because when we talk about Jesus, we can go all the way from, from the guy that, you know, the, the picture that was in, on grandma's wall, you know, the, 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 the one painting that everybody revered, and, well, that's Jesus. No, that wasn't Jesus. That's just some white dude. Um, you know, we, we, we got all these different representations of Jesus. Some of you guys are actually, uh, you know, you're bad enough that you know dogma and buddy Jesus. And, you know, so uh, you're, you're that culturally informed. But, but we have all these different pictures of Jesus floating around in our culture. And so when someone says to, to me as a pastor, I just want people to know Jesus. My first question for them is always, which Jesus are you trying to introduce someone to? Because there are so many different representations of Jesus in our culture and in our minds. And in fact, if we were all good artists, which we know that's not the case, but if we were all good artists and we were to try and draw our own representation of Jesus, there is a good chance that we would have as many different pictures of Jesus as we have people here this morning. Because some of us appreciate Jesus because of his, his tenderness and his compassion. Others of us appreciate Jesus because he was a hardliner sometimes when it came to God's standards. And he always stood upon this truth of scripture. Some of us appreciate Jesus for, for the way that he stood up against politicians or religious leaders. Some of us appreciate Jesus because of, of his great teachings. But the thing is, is we know that there's one Jesus. There's one true Jesus. And it doesn't matter about all of our imaginations or interpretations. We must always come back to the one true Christ because only the true Christ saves. Some, some other picture of Jesus will always lead us astray. Now, for the sake of argument, let's say that this is a good picture of Jesus. This is the picture of Jesus. Once again, just for argument's sake. This is not necessarily a picture of Jesus. But let's say this is the one true Christ. This is a picture of Jesus. And in order to be saved, you must know and understand this picture of Jesus. Let's just, for the sake of argument, say that. Now, if instead of the whole picture of Jesus, I give you half a picture of Jesus, will your understanding be complete? No. You will know part of him. You will know certain aspects of who he is, but you will not know the whole Jesus. And if it's necessary for you to know and appreciate and understand the whole Jesus, 
when someone paints a picture of Jesus that is incomplete, they are painting a picture that does not give you enough information to come to salvation through Christ Jesus. They're painting a picture that is an incomplete gospel because Jesus is the gospel. So specifically this campaign, he gets us. I wanted to point out some of the things that it says about Jesus, some of the things that it says about who Jesus is and how he came and why it's important to know him. And and the campaign really kind of wants us to see Jesus as just like us, which is where the title, He Gets Us, comes from. He gets us because He's just like us. And so one of the videos, it, it, it ends with the conclusion that Jesus struggled to be a good example. So if you go to the website and you, you look it up, and, and uh, being an example and being a leader, that, that they say that Jesus struggled to be a good example. They say that, that, that Jesus was fed up with politics and the culture war. So like you, and, and all of us would agree, politics stinks. If you have watched any TV, you have seen at least one too many political ads and, and you're tired of it, and you hate the division, and you hate the culture war, and you hate the way that people uh, are so divisive and so polarized, and, and this sounds good, and Jesus was against the politics of his day, but this maybe is an incomplete picture. Jesus was a social influencer who faced cancel culture, and you see the quotes, they actually say he was a social influencer. Can you imagine Jesus on TikTok? I mean, it's just like, hey, everybody, I just wanted you to know that my father says, and it's just kind of this, ah, I, I get it, I understand. Jesus was a social influencer. When we read through the Gospels, thousands of people came to hear him preach. And then he went and he fed them with like, you know, five loaves and three fishes. And so he did influence those around him, and he did influence society. But to put Jesus in the box of social influencer who suffered from cancel culture, we're making Jesus more and more like ourselves and less and like who Scripture calls him. They say that Jesus was a rebel, a rebel. Now, they couch it in Jesus was rebelling against the culture and the religious culture of his day. And and I can appreciate that. But when we understand Jesus, it's important for us to understand, he was not really a rebel. He was a restorer. It was actually the people of his day who had rebelled against God. And Jesus was coming back to redeem and restore them and bring them back to life. The He Gets Us campaign says that, that Jesus believed he could change the world. Now, i got to say something. I don't think that Jesus just believed he could change the world. I think Jesus knew he would change the world. Why? Because he was the incarnate second person of the Trinity. He completely understood what he was coming to do. And then the final statement that I point out, and there's much more on the website, says that he knew that his death would further spread his message of radical love. i got to tell you, I think Jesus' death means so much more In fact, I know it does than just spreading a message of love. And so I think that the intent is good in that people in this campaign, they really want others to know Jesus, 
right? They really want others to understand Jesus. But the problem is, is this campaign and everything it points to never paints a complete picture of Jesus. It leaves us with a partial picture of Jesus. And the reason I even wanted to address this is I know for a fact, because I was on a video call and I I participated in some promotional stuff, I know that this campaign, He Gets Us, they are going to be putting advertising on all major events for the next year. And their hope is that people will go to the website and learn more about Jesus, except the Jesus they're preaching and teaching is incomplete. And they're hoping that people might go even further and maybe sign up to get contacted by a church. And I'm not signing up to do that because it's $129 a month. Really? Actually, it ends up being a business deal for them. But some interesting thing is, is it never, ever presents more than Jesus like us. And the thing is, is Jesus did not come to be in our image. Instead, Jesus reveals to us that we were all created in the image of God, but by the fall it has been corrupted. And Jesus reveals to us, when we are seen in his entirety, he reveals to us that we too, through faith in him and his work on the cross and his resurrection, we too can once again be restored to the fullness of the image of God. Not that God can be drugged down to look like us, but instead, one day, All who believe will be lifted up and restored to who they're supposed to be because of the work of Christ on the cross. Now, C.S. Lewis, because the He Gets Us campaign kind of points a picture of Jesus as just a really good man or a really good teacher, we kind of got to confront it. Because here's what C.S. Lewis, and most of you guys are familiar with C.S. Lewis, you know, Chronicles of Narnia. You've read The Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe or one of those books. Maybe you've even gone all the way in and drank the Kool-Aid and you've done uh, this present darkness stuff and, you, you know, his hideous strength and you've gone all the way in, right? But, well, here's what C.S. Lewis said in his book, Mere Christianity, about people who would make Jesus just a really good man. He says this, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. We are faced in with a frightening alternative. This man we are talking about either was and is just what he said or else a lunatic or something worse. Now it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend and consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. God has landed on this enemy-occupied world in human form. C.S. Lewis is really helping us to understand and introducing the idea that if we teach an incomplete Christ, if we teach a Christ that is only a man, we end up with an impotent Christ. 
If we really get so fixated on Jesus looking and being like us, now he was and is in many aspects, but when we drag him down to our level and try and put him in a pigeonhole, we end up with an impotent Christ who cannot save us. We end up with a Jesus who simply does not matter. If Jesus is just a rebel and he's just a social influencer and he just taught everybody to love one another, then what we have is just another dead dude. But when we remember the full picture of who Jesus is, a man who was a great teacher and a powerful leader and he stood up for righteousness and justice and he also happened to be completely the son of God, the second person of the Trinity, God incarnate. And when we remember the fullness of Christ and we preach the fullness of the gospel, we share with our friends who have watched these ads or watched The Chosen the fullness of who Jesus is and how he can save them, we end up with a powerful Christ who reveals the glory of God and can bring redemption to all who would believe on him. And so it's so important for us to understand that Jesus is fully man and fully God all in one person. Fully man and fully God. Now, how does that work? I don't know. Theologians have been arguing for eons, right, about how that works. And guess what? Much like many of you don't know how your car works and yet it still got you here this morning, you don't exactly need to understand how Jesus being fully God and fully man works, but I tell you that it is critical that he is both and that you believe on him as such that you might be saved and brought to the fullness of life and eternal life through him. You don't have to understand the details. You just have to know that it works and that it's necessary that both of these things are true. But let's look at some things, some truths that we see in Scripture about who Jesus is. Jesus was so clear. He is fully man. And what do we know about his, his full humanity? Well, first of all, Jesus was born. That is one thing that is common to all people. Actually, a couple of things. Number one, they're all born. All people are born. Uh, it just, there's nobody who's gotten around that save Adam and Eve, and they were created, so their, their whole situation, it's a little distinct. And so Matthew 1.18 tells us that Jesus was born after Mary was made pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Here, some things we can also know about Jesus to, to celebrate, to understand about his humanity. He grew and he learned. Luke chapter 2, verses 40 and 52. The boy grew up and became strong, filled with wisdom, and God's grace was on him. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God and his people. Jesus grew up. He learned. He, he, he established relationships. He was fully human in all of the ways that we are. Understand also some things about Jesus' humanity. He was hungry. Matthew chapter 4, verse 2, it, it tells us about Jesus having gone out and, and fasted for 40 days in the wilderness, and, and then it tells us, and when he was done, he was hungry. He was human. He was flesh and blood. He understands us. Yes, he gets us, but we must never drag him to our level. We must instead understand that he is the perfection of humanity. All the things that we are not in the flesh, he is, and yet he's also many of the things that we are. He was hungry. It tells us he was thirsty. John nineteen twenty eight. 
Now, this is when he's on the cross, and it's very clear what he's talking about. He's, it's been a long day, and he's, hey, I'm thirsty. I thirst. They give him a, a sip of, of vinegar and, and gall. He thirsted. The next thing we understand, that Jesus experienced emotions. John eleven thirty five. 35. Anybody got that one memorized? Jesus wept. Look, if you have no other memory verse in your arsenal, John eleven thirty five 35 should be in there because you can do it. Jesus wept. You are a scripture memorizer. Now see if you can find one with uh, like five words and do that one, right? Jesus wept. Jesus experienced emotion. In, in John chapter 12, verse 27, here is what it says. Uh, My soul is troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour, but that is why I came to this hour. Jesus was troubled in spirit. He, he struggled with, with feelings, but not in a way that led him to sin. Understand that. He never sinned. He was always sinlessly perfect. Matthew 26, 38, Jesus says to his disciples, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Stay here and stay awake with me. Jesus felt grief and experienced the pressures of this life. He was fully human. There was nothing that was withheld from him. In fact, Scripture tells us that he was tempted and yet without sin. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, For since he himself has suffered when he was tempted, he is also able to help those who are tempted. Jesus was tempted by sin and yet did not sin. Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Jesus does understand us. Jesus does get us because he's experienced life like we have. But it's so important that we do not drag him down to our level and make him a social media influencer or make him a a rebel, a a protester, or an advocate for, for things that we think we want. But instead, we must understand that he came and he experienced the fullness of this human life because that was necessary for what he was to accomplish. Luke chapter 24, verses 39 through 43, it tells us he still possesses a physical body. How do we know that? Because he had one just after, his resur- or, yeah, just after his resurrection from the dead. And then he ascended to heaven in that body, physically. And he will return one day, physically. Still completely human. King over all the earth to restore and finish the work of redemption in the new heaven and the new earth. So it's It's important for us to understand Jesus is fully human, but we don't want to drag him down to our level and say we want to understand he is the perfection of humanity. He is what we are meant to be, is like him. And so he understands us, yes, but he has not, he's not at our level. He's not broken. He doesn't struggle in the same ways that we do. He isn't tainted by sin. He is sinlessly perfect and yet has experienced all of humanity. Now, why did Jesus have to be completely human? It makes perfect sense when we see it in Scripture. Jesus had to be fully human because it was necessary for him to be able to purchase our salvation. Romans 5.19, For just as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so also through the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. 
In other words, a man sinned and brought brokenness and death and rebellion into this world. Who was that man? Adam. And so it takes a man to bring righteousness and salvation into this world. And that man is Jesus. In this passage, he's called the second Adam. Jesus had to be fully human. Hebrews 2.17 tells us this. Therefore, he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. You see, the, the thing about sin is that someone must pay the price for rebellion. Someone must suffer, suffer the wrath of God and death in order to pay the price for sin. And if you pay that price yourself, there is nothing left of you. You are exhausted. Everything that is you is gone into the payment for sin, and that is eternal death, that is hell, that is separation from the Father. And, and so a normal person would be completely consumed just paying for their own sin. But when God incarnate and in, or God infinite and, and, and amazing puts on flesh, becomes incarnate, he pays for sin in the right currency, human flesh, and he pays with, it, or with that from an infinite bank account of his own righteousness and perfection. I hope that makes sense to why Jesus had to be human and yet why he has to be God as well. Because if God does not take up our brokenness, then our brokenness and our sin cannot be paid for. Gregory of Nazianzus, say that three times fast, right? He said this about Jesus' incarnation. For that which he has not assumed, he has not healed. In other words, Jesus had to be fully human and experience everything that it is to be flesh so that he could redeem all that we are. Our mind, our will, our flesh, our spirit has been purchased by Jesus and he was fully human in every way. But that which is united to his Godhead is also saved. It's critically important that we understand he was completely God as well. And we don't drag him down to our level and say, Jesus is like us. No. I mean, yes, in that he, he was flesh and blood. He experienced the, the sin and the brokenness of this world and yet without sin of, him, of his own. But he is not dragged down to our level. He's not like us in the sense that, that he's broken and struggles like we do. Instead, what he came to do was first to provide an example of what we can be when we're redeemed and then also to pay the price for our redemption. Jesus, when we talk about him as God, he is eternal. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus existed in the beginning and is God eternal. Jesus is unchanging. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now you're saying to me, but Michael, you said he grew up and he learned and he built relationships. Yes, this is the mystery of Jesus being completely man and completely God. He is both learning and growing and unchanging and infinitely knowledgeable. Jesus is 
fully man and yet fully God in the sense that he is also the fullness of God. John 1.14 says this, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Colossians uh, 1.19, for God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. Colossians 2.9, for the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. Jesus was completely God as well. Second person of the Trinity, the Son. Jesus is sinless. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. He made Him who knew no sin, Jesus, to absorb the cost of sin for us so that we could be clothed in his righteousness. Hebrews 4.15, once again, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way, yet without sin. Jesus is sinless. There's actually a survey that was done recently that up to 60% of evangelical Christians believe that Jesus may have sinned in his lifetime. And I have to tell you that if Jesus ever sinned, He could not have been the sacrifice for your sins on the cross. And so the scripture is so critically clear that Jesus was like us in so many ways, but he was in no way like us when it comes to our sinfulness and our rebellion against the Father. And so Jesus is God. He is sinless and he is perfect. Jesus forgave sin. Matthew chapter 9, verses 2 through 8. A lot of us are familiar with that. Jesus is is teaching and some friends bring a paralytic in before Jesus. And uh, Jesus says this to the paralytic. Have courage, son. Your sins are forgiven. And the religious leaders around him are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Only God can forgive sin. And Jesus is like, yeah, I know that. So just so that you know that I can forgive sin, hey dude, get up and walk. And the man rises up and takes his mat and walks away in this amazing miracle. Was the miracle that Jesus wanted universal health care for everyone? No. The miracle is Jesus can forgive sins and he proved it's true by making a paralytic man walk. It was a sign to say, I can forgive sins. And only God can forgive sins. And so we know that Jesus is fully God. We know that Jesus taught with authority. Matthew chapter 7, verse 29, it says uh, this, that he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. Who can ultimately teach with great authority? Only God himself. He is the one who designed us, who shaped us, who made us, who formed us, who had the plan to redeem us and longs to be restored in relationship to us. And Jesus taught with the authority of the Almighty God because he is Almighty God. So Jesus, not only was he perfect man and perfect God, but he came with a specific mission. Jesus did not come to make the world a better place. Jesus did not come to stand up against political leaders. He did not come to to stand up against religious leaders. He didn't come, honestly, what Scripture tells us, He didn't come to make things better politically or relationally. In fact, He says that His coming will actually cause strife and turmoil in even the closest of families. But what is Jesus' mission? Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 
The angel says this, she will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came to save us from our sins. Mark 1.15, Jesus says this, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This was Jesus' whole three-year ministry, walking around and saying to everyone, repent and believe in the good news. Turn away from your past. And what is the good news? I've come to save you from sin. Mark 10.45, a little later, Jesus says this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. What was Jesus' mission? When we watch The Chosen, you're going to see a Jesus who's just, he's a cool dude. But we always got to remember, what was his mission? It wasn't to just be cool and heal people and do nice things. It was always to lead to the cross. And so if we ever have questions, what was Jesus here for? He did great things, but it was always to pay for your sin on the cross. That was his whole mission, to rise again on the third day, that you might believe on him and have eternal life. When we have people who see these ads talking about he gets us, and they go to the website, and they they come to you at work, hey, I know you're religious. (laughs) John, Don shared a story. He had a story with me yesterday. He had a friend come to him, hey, I know you're religious. When they come to you and say, hey, I know you're religious. I saw you wear a cross once. I saw an ad that said Jesus was a rebel. What do you think of that? They're curious. They want to know. That's your opportunity to say Jesus was so much more than a rebel. He was so much more than, than any ad can portray. He was a perfect man who was also completely God, who lived a sinless life, who died on the cross for your sins to absorb the wrath of God, to take the punishment that you deserved on your behalf. And not only that, he rose again on the third day to prove that he really is God in the flesh. You should consider learning more about him and and maybe even believing on him as your own Lord and Savior. That's the hope here is that we we have people, when they come to us curious, we're able to say, yes, Jesus is sort of like that, but he's so much more. And here's what he came for. This is his mission. John 3, 16, all of us know it, right? God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him should not perish but have eternal life. That is his mission, to come and pay for our eternal life. What else? John 3.16. Oh, I already read that. 1 Timothy 1.15. 1 Timothy 1.15. Jesus' mission. The Apostle Paul says, This is a trustworthy saying, or this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. Why did Jesus come? Not to fix politics, not to fix culture, not to fix anything, but to fix the hearts and minds and eternity of everyone who would believe on him as Lord and Savior. Christ Jesus came to save sinners. The Apostle Paul, this great missionary who started churches all over Europe, he says, I'm the worst of them. That's also a recognition or a realization that many of us need to come to. Jesus came and died, came and lived and died and rose again to save even us, people like us, the worst of the sinners that we know. So that everybody in our culture is worthy to hear his good news because he can save them too. 1 John 4.10, love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. 
What, what really it boils down to for us as believers is to look at, at, at Scripture and go something like this. Here's Jesus' mission to understand. He came into the world to save sinners. And it's good that people are watching things like The Chosen. It's even good that, that people with good intentions doing He Gets Us are saying, we want people to meet Jesus. We want them to know what He's about. But what we as believers need to, to, to be certain of is that when people meet the Jesus that they see in commercials and on TV and they get curious about him, that we are armed to the teeth with the good news of the real Jesus, the full Jesus, the, the, the whole picture. Because we don't want people to be satisfied with just a partial Jesus, a, a good dude who taught 2,000 years ago, and let's be like him, gosh darn it. But instead we want them to know the incarnate Son of God who was perfect man, sinless, a sacrifice for them, and he came to save even them. He came into this world to save even them. Sinclair Ferguson, uh, a modern teacher, works with Ligonier. He says this on the Ligonier website under Does Christology Matter? Jesus Christ himself is the gospel. This is why it's so important to preach, to teach, to know a full Jesus. Jesus Christ himself is is the gospel. Like loose threads in a tapestry, pull on any of these views. In other words, his humanity or his deity. If you remove any of those threads, his his full humanity, his full deity, his mission to die on the cross for the sins of all who would believe, his rising again on the third day, if you pull any of those threads out, the entire gospel will unravel. If the Christ we trust and preach is not qualified to save us, We have a false Christ. Now, it's also possible we've got some organizations and some some churches that are presenting Jesus as just this perfect man or this good man who was a teacher, but it's also possible to default and deny his humanity and pretend like he was somebody who just kind of floated across the earth all the time and, oh, no, no. He lived, he, he, he breathed, he ate, he, he experienced emotions, he used the restroom, right? We don't want to be crass, but understand, Jesus had the full human experience. He was completely flesh, and we don't ever want to deny that, but we also want to understand he's completely God with a specific mission, come to save sinners like you and I. And how do we know this is important? The Apostle Paul, talking in, uh, to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 2.2, he says this, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And so we can see right here what is so critical for us as Christians to preach to others. Jesus Christ, fully man and fully God, sinless and yet tempted like us, perfect and yet learning and growing, unlimited and yet in place and time, Jesus, fully man and fully God, and him crucified, his mission to come and redeem everyone who would believe on him as Lord and Savior through the cross. A simple gospel for us to always remember is this. Paul says, I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as most important that which I received. In other words, the most important thing 
you and I and everyone else needs to know about the good news of Jesus Christ is this. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. That is the gospel. That is the good news. Who he is and what he did on the cross for you and I and all who would believe. So, as we see Jesus portrayed to us in, in, in these different forms, in these different interpretations through things like the chosen, things like he gets us, I, I don't want you to be like shunning them. I don't want you to, to, to walk around and, and have a t-shirt, you know, I hate the chosen or he doesn't get us. Or, no, I, I don't want you to be like that. What I want you to do is, is have a perspective with me of what is out there in the culture, what makes people curious. It can be a good thing, but you and I need to be prepared with the right answers for them. When they think they've met Jesus and they've only met half a Jesus or a pseudo Jesus or somebody's interpretation of Jesus, what we want to do is to give them the Jesus of the Bible. We want to give them the full Jesus because we must give them the full Jesus that they might have the full gospel. Because if they think Jesus is just a good dude, a good dude can't save them. If they think Jesus is just God who floated over the earth and never had any body, It took his flesh and his taking on our flesh to be able to save flesh and human spirit and soul. And so what we want to do as Christians is we want to celebrate the humanity of Christ. Isn't it so cool to know that God himself understands your life? It's not that he's sitting up there going, I just wish that these people, I don't get them. Uh, You know, I wish they could just love me like they're... No, God put on flesh and lived a life at least 33 years, we think. Went through everything that we've walked through. Was tempted in every way that we are tempted. And yet he was without sin. But he understands what it means to be tempted, to be hungry, to be sad, to to, to be thirsty, to be sleepy fell asleep in a boat in a storm. You need a nap at that point. Celebrate who he is. But it's not that he is like us. It's that he is everything we can be as humans when we're fully redeemed. Celebrate his humanity, but exalt his deity. He is the Christ, the son of the living God, the one who came to save you and I. And that's what we need to do above all else is to declare the full gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you can't remember what it is, I want to I encourage you one of these two verses, right? To go ahead and, and, and memorize this to, or at least wrap your head around this. Remember this little formula. Here's what we want to do when we're with people and we're wanting to share the gospel. Here's what we want to remember to share with them. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Who he is, fully man and fully God, and that he died on the cross for our sins and rose again on the third day. And, and you, you really want to dig into what is the heart of the gospel. It's the second little bit here. Here's what is the most important, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. When somebody comes to you and they're curious and they want to know more about Christ, they want to know, have you seen those ads? Have you watched that show? Say, yes, what a great introduction. Let me show you the rest of Jesus. Let me show you what, who the Bible says he is. And, and, and i got to tell you, you are capable. 
You are equipped. You know enough. I want to encourage you, if you have the, the, the YouVersion Bible app and you say, Michael, you blasted so much stuff at us, I don't know what to do with it. Open the YouVersion Bible app, find today's event, save it, and you will have all this information to begin to equip yourself better for sharing the full Jesus Christ every time somebody has a question. But don't give up. Don't sit back and just go, I, I don't know. Or, well, maybe we could talk to my pastor. I mean, I would count it a privilege. Don't get me wrong. But you're capable. You're equipped. If you are a believer and you've heard this story and you've made your profession of faith, you already know what it means to follow after Christ. And you can introduce everyone you come to to the fullness of who he is. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Every time somebody's curious and you have an opportunity. So celebrate his humanity, exalt his deity, but above all else, declare the good news that comes only through him. I want to encourage you to think about, is there somebody in your life today that you know is curious and that you maybe could begin this week to tell them about the full Jesus? Not just the, the little picture they've painted in their mind, not just the Jesus they've seen on TV or the Jesus they see in a commercial, but, but the complete picture of who Jesus is. God incarnate, fully God, fully man, come to give himself on the cross for them and then declare that gospel of Christ to them. Think about that one person as we close in prayer this morning. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love for us and we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your only begotten son, Jesus, who gave himself on the cross to pay the price for our sins so that all of us who would believe might have eternal life, forgiveness of sins, and a, a, a forever life in your presence when this one ends. We are so thankful for that. And we pray this morning that we would not neglect to know you, Lord Jesus, in your fullness, that we would not ignore who you are in your totality, that we wouldn't pigeonhole you or put you in a box, but that we would try to understand all of you and all that you are and then share you with others. Lord Jesus, this morning, we're all thinking about that one person in our life that we know is curious. Give us boldness to tell them about you. Give us the right words, we pray, and give us an opportunity to see them come to know you as their own Lord and Savior that they might have an eternity that's sure and a message to share themselves. Thank you for this time once again, and thank you for your word and the joy it is to be saved through your son, Jesus Christ, Father. And we pray all this in the Lord Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to close in a, in a song, but right after the song, we're going to find our seats again. We've got a couple of baptisms to share in together, so I encourage you to hang out. We're, we're getting them right around noon and, and stuff, but uh, baptisms are one of the most important celebrations we have in the body of Christ. And so we've got a couple of young adults who are following after Jesus Christ in obedience by, by baptism, and I just want to encourage you to hang out. So right after the song, find a seat, and then we'll share in baptism together. spoke a word and life began told ocean where to start and where to end you set in motion
find a seat. What a privilege it is to participate together in the ordinance of baptism. Jesus left us with, with two specific tasks that we as the church are to accomplish in making disciples. That is to teach them and that to, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then once we were baptized and, and being discipled, we also have the privilege of participating together in the Lord's Supper, which we'll be doing later next month as a fellowship. Now, today we get to celebrate uh, the baptism of two young adults who have made professions of faith, trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And you know, professions of faith, they do not come out of vacuums. They don't just happen. They come from parents who lovingly and faithfully disciple and care for their children. They come from teachers who invest themselves, oftentimes with, with no Recompense, nobody paying a bill or nobody, nobody helping out, but teachers who lovingly invest themselves. And so this morning we rejoice with these two young adults and we rejoice with all of you who have invested yourselves into their lives to help bring them to this point in their relationship with Christ Jesus. So yes, sir, I know, Kai, 
So uh, let's uh, go ahead and invite Shane down. You're first, right? Yes. All right, brother. You can hold my hand if you want, but I'm not offended if you, you think that's, you know. I know. <laughs> it's, you don't even have, like, the opportunity, like, at the swimming pool at the hotel to go, ooh, 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 ooh. you got to just get in, right? All right. So, Shane, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Yeah. Do you wish to follow him in obedience by being baptized and seeking to live the rest of your life in submission to him? Yes. Awesome. Well, brother, uh, because of your profession of faith and your declaration today, it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in death and raised up to walk in newness of life. (laughs) Awesome. Good? Yeah. All right. of baptizing Maddie today. Maddie, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Yes. Do you wish to follow him in obedience by being baptized and submitting to him the rest of your days? Yes. It is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There you go. Buried with him in death and raised up to walk in newness of life. You know, if you just hung out with me, it'd get like normal. It'd feel good. <laughs> now, if you have not been baptized, but you are a believer, you've made that profession of faith, you know Jesus Christ is your own Lord and Savior. I want you to take the example of these two young adults and realize that you too can walk and take that first step of obedience by being baptized. So thank you all for celebrating in baptism with us this morning. You too can be baptized if you're ready. We do have one other order of church business. Tyler, would you come up uh, real quick? And actually, uh, is Nicolette still in here? Did she leave? Oh, she's up front. Nicolette, you too. You've told me this didn't happen for you. I told you, yeah, you. I told you to get up here. So we've got a couple of folks. So just if you guys would step up. I'm not going to dunk you. What did you think? Poor Nancy, just right there, Nicolette. You're good. You don't have to come all the way to me because I might splash. <laughs> Tyler up here with her. All right. So we've got a couple of folks who uh, they have expressed interest in membership. I would swear we voted on Nicolette, but she says no. And uh, other people shake their heads no, so my bad. And then uh, we all know Nicolette. Nicolette has uh, been married to Keith for these long, many years now. I know too, but it feels like 40, doesn't it? And then, um, and, and uh, so Nicolette's been an important part of our church life in the youth ministry and, and serving alongside Keith. And so uh, she has expressed an interest and the elders have reviewed her, her application. We believe her to be a believer, baptized by immersion. And so we as elders have affirmed her for your vote. And then Tyler, he is uh, Steve Undercoffler's. Uh, employee for this next year, an intern who is serving alongside Steve in ministry and uh, YouTubery. 
And uh, so Tyler's going to be a part of life with us, and he wants to be able to serve in any and every way. And so he wants to join with us in membership. Uh, Steve and I have reviewed his profession of faith and believe him to be a, uh, a believer who has followed the Lord in believer's baptism. So we offer up to you both of these candidates for membership. Um, and, and so if there are no objections... I would like everyone who is a member to raise your hand and shout amen if you would affirm them as members. Amen. amen. Congratulations, you guys. I encourage all of you to stay, to shake hands, pray over our brother Steve. Greet these new members and congratulate, congratulate our uh, baptized today and celebrate what God is doing in our midst. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Men, sign up for the retreat. And remember to proclaim Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, who was crucified for all. And don't hesitate to share him. See you guys later. God bless. I know. I Call my name. What do I have to fear? What do I have to fear? Your love has called my name. What do I have to Stop.